Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Everybody, thanks for checking out Statesman.com. It's Longhorn Confidential Time. Danny Davis, Kirk Bowles, Cedric Golden, all the Austin American Statesmen. Guys, let's talk, get right into it. The regular season's wrapped up for this uh, Texas football team uh, this past Friday as we were getting over our Thanksgiving leftovers. 38-27 to 27 win over Baylor. Not much really to talk about this game. Obviously, B. John Robinson, Roshan Johnson, both spectacular. Jalen Ford made his case for Big 12 Defensive Player of the Year. But Texas despite the win, is missing out on the Big 12 championship game. Eight and four overall, six and three in Big 12 play. They own the tiebreaker over Kansas State, but Kansas State beat Kansas the following day and is uh, seven and two in Big 12 play. So they move on to uh, play TCU this week. And we'll talk about that matchup in a little bit. But let's look back at those uh, conference losses for Texas. They lost 37 to 34 at Texas Tech. That game was decided in overtime. Kirk, you were there with me for that one. Uh, said we got to go to Stillwater to see a 41 to 34 loss to Oklahoma State. Um, and then we we're all over at DKR for the 17 to 10 loss to TCU. So let's think about the three losses, all one score losses. Which one uh, do you think Texas is really kicking itself over um, as it's watching the Big 12 championship game at home? Said we'll start with you since uh, you beat Kirk in fantasy football this weekend in our office league. We'll let you leak, kick things off here. Um, I know, I know. Um, I want to say the Oklahoma State game because they seem to control that game and up 31-17 and uh, Sarkeesian finally on Monday. Um, I think, Daniel, you asked a great question, uh, which, you know, what are your regrets, basically, these three bad losses? And he said he didn't, he regretted not running Bijan and Roshan Moore in those games against Oklahoma State and TCU. And finally, he learned something. Um, The thing that's sad about it is uh, if he makes that mistake again next year, he's not going to be able to say you didn't run Bijan enough because Bijan's going to be gone. And so um, there may be some tough times if he doesn't learn from these lessons, uh, these mistakes that he made. And um, I know either one of those games is brutal. Either one of them is brutal. And uh, I'll, I'll take the Oklahoma State game. Well, I'd go with Texas Tech just because – that was such a winnable game. Uh, Texas led 24 to 14 at the half. They were coming off a win over UTSA when they basically shut down the Roadrunners the second half and the one point lost to Alabama. You know, Hudson Card played well, but Danny, if you recall, we were out there. They, Texas couldn't get Texas Tech off the field in the second half. I mean, I think Texas Tech ended up with 100 plays and Texas had 60. And, you know, we went down the last few minutes of the game and, you know, game looked over Texas tech in control. And then Hudson card takes them on that unbelievable drive with, I don't know how many seconds. Hudson card. Who's that? Hudson. Yeah. He, he used to play, play here. Oh. Also. But uh, I mean, he had a great couple great passes. I think one to Whittington. I know one was Tariq Milton, maybe the only pass he caught all year. Uh, and then Bert the 48 yard field goal to tie it. And then obviously Bijan fumbled first playing overtime game is lost, but you know, that's the one that 
you know, you're up. Texas Tech just okay, whereas Oklahoma State was riding high. TCU was, was riding high, still is. So you win that game, you win the tiebreaker at Kansas State. And I just think it'd be monumental for Sark if he just got to the Big 12 title game. They are third uh, place in the Big 12, but just getting the t- to the title game uh, would have spoken volumes on uh, improvement. So what do you have, Danny? I go Tech, too. Um, TCU was a top-five team when they lost to them. Obviously, their their offense was – awful in that game, but it's not real shame losing to a top five team And Oklahoma state was a top 10 team on the road. And yeah, they did blow a huge lead in that game, but you know, Texas tech was not what Texas tech is right now when they went to Lubbock. And, you know, that's one of those games where the defense, where they're very poor, they, they had very few poor performances this year. That was one of them. Tech was just not scared of them at all. You know, Bijan touched the ball maybe 300 times this season and, he wants one of those touches back, and that was that overtime overtime mm-hmm. fumble, something we're just not used to seeing from him. So I think all in all, on defense and offense, you know, that's probably the one that everyone can look at that game and say, I could have done something better. The defense looks at that TCU game, and they have no regrets about that one. Yeah, probably, you know, the offense put up 41 at Oklahoma State. So, you know, they struggled a little bit in the second half and could have put them away, but – I think that Texas Tech game is the one game where you look at both sides, coaching, defense, and offense, and you should have beat a team that you're better than. And, um, you know, unfortunately for the Longhorn fans, that that one is probably the one that's going to come back to come back to bite them. But as we said, eight and four this season, they're going to a bowl game. Five and seven last year, six game losing streak at one point. So lots of improvement, lots of things to be excited about. But, you know, this is the University of Texas. You know, you don't really get excited for you know trips to the Alamo Bowl, which we'll talk about in a second, or you know, eight win seasons. But considering the strides that were made, even at Texas, do you consider the second season under Steve Sarkeesian to be a success? Kirk, we'll we'll start with you. Yeah, unequivocally it's a success, just the winning eight games in a season. I mean, it's only the sixth time they've done that in the last 13 years. So it's not a common occurrence. And they got a chance to win nine now by going to a bowl game. And that would be only the third time since 2009. So they got to get back to where winning is expected. And that's kind of the the bare minimum standard, you know, for Texas team. Uh, And, you know, the other thing, guys, I mean, to me, most times they pass the eyeball test. I thought the defense was vastly improved. You know, they were 100th in the nation last year. Now I think they're 51st. And they're only giving up 21 points a game. You do that, you should be in every game and win most games. So, yeah, I mean, I know Longhorn fans can quibble over, well, the four losses and, you know, should have won Alabama, should have won Texas Tech maybe. But, uh, yeah, it's it's uh, it's more than a little bit of improvement. Now, whether he improves from here, you know, who knows. But, you know, I, I do think. <laughs> I do think Sark missed a little of opportunity here because Oklahoma's down, you know, barely qualifies for a bowl. A&M is way down. And so you could have really made some big strides over your two main rivals. But overall, yeah, it's a success. Definitely a success. Um, I had them at eight and four, so it's about where I thought they'd finish. Um, One of those things that that, that really should bother him, though, is he – 
he left some team let some teams off the hook and <clears throat> uh, it's it you know even for sark who's been doing this for a long time it's it's a learning experience and um they still got to learn how to close who knew the defense would would be carrying the day and that the offense would be the one that had the most question marks he's going to have to answer the queen ewers question um Arch Manning's coming in. We don't know if Arch Manning's going to be turnkey. We don't know if he's ready to play uh, at this level. He's a private school kid in New Orleans. He's not playing in the big leagues down there. And so and so I'm um, looking forward to seeing what exactly happens uh, this time next year if um, Quinn's a better quarterback, if Quinn's actually starting, if Hudson Card's still on the team. So – He's meeting with each player this 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 week, and a um, couple of notables that um, one of those uh, things where I would love to be a fly on the wall, Daniel, when he meets with one number eight, Xavier Worthy. Yeah, let's talk. We'll talk about that in a second, but just quick, really quick. I, obviously, this season is a success. They lost to Kansas last year, and that was Kansas before Kansas became Kansas this year. So, um, four losses by eighteen points. Three of those losses to top ten teams. Um, there's room, there's room for growth, both for the coaching staff and for these players. But at what we thought this season was last year, where is Steve Sarkeesian the guy? Does he need to fire his entire defensive staff? Is you know anyone aside from number five on this roster good? I mean, they turned it around, and this program is obviously heading into a positive trajectory. And I think if you are a Texas fan who didn't have unrealistic expectations, you're probably pretty pleased with the direction your program. You can be frustrated, but you're probably pleased with, for the most part, the direction this program's heading. But as uh, Cedric alluded to, uh, Steve Sarkeesian still met with the media on Monday, um, you know, talked for about half an hour with us. And so I guess what was one thing that stood out to both of you um, um, out of Steve's, uh, Steve's press conference on Monday? said, we'll start with you since you talked about it. I mean, if you don't want to talk about um, X, I'll talk about him. So What's, what's one thing that stood out to you out of that press conference? Um, I'll let you talk about X. Um, I I really enjoyed the NIL discussion with him and how he how he wanted it to be really clear that we're not buying players. He's like, you know, you want to come to Texas. We want people that want to come to Texas because it's Texas, and the NIL should be a bonus. It's, you add that into that. Um, so if you're coming for the money, you're not going to be happy. So there's always a rich guy that says that, by the way. Yeah. Oh, yeah, you know, money's not everything. Okay. Oh, give me some of that. Give me some of that. Oh, you have it. <laughs> give me, yeah, give me some of that. So let me make my own decision on that money. That's six million a year. So um I, I was I was really impressed with how what he had to say about that. Uh, I really think he wanted to separate himself from some of that, even though he did make sure and tell us that that uh, they're trying to right some wrongs, fix some discrepancies where they're like some D linemen aren't getting money, but the O linemen are. They, you know, maybe the D linemen need their version of the pancake factory. So um, it's kind of changed the game for him. And I wrote that in today's paper uh, that, you know, his schedule is different because he's got to, he's got to tend to NIL and transfer portal issues in addition to this recruiting. So uh, the game is a lot different than it was. 10 or 15 years ago, guys. Eric? Yeah, you, you wonder, I mean, it's kind of sad that these coaches have to do so much trying to get into their league championship games 
boom, it's over. And you got signing date in three weeks and you got transfer portal starting what Sunday and have to juggle all that, you know, at the same time, I'm in favor of an early signing date. Personally, I wish they would move it to August and, you know, have that one signing date where, you know, some guys just want it to be over with, you know, and obviously with NIL, it probably behooves these players to push it back to December, but you know, there would be some players that would would sign, I think, in August and just want it over with and enjoy their their senior season. So uh, I think one thing when I asked Sark about, you know, who impressed you the most and he mentioned the kicking game, which I would wholeheartedly agree with because Bert Auburn has been really good. Will Stone's pretty good. He had a few out-of-bounds kicks. And Daniel Trejo was a good punter. And I don't think he got a punt block, did he? that that I remember. So and and he was and asked what needed improved and he he obviously mentioned the passing game which we've kind of already talked about. Well, that's what really let him down and that's a big concern given he's an offensive guru. You know, the passing game is where Sark has made his bones. So and he didn't shy away from that. And then the third downs that you know, they need to execute better and convert more than that. I think they're like something like 42%. They're, they're way down there in third down convergence. So I liked his candor, his honesty, even admitting finally that he should have given the ball more to, to Bijan. Uh, he only had 16 carries in that tech loss that we just talked about. So uh, I appreciated his, his honesty and uh, his bluntness. As Cedric alluded to, I mean, Steve did address Xavier Worthy's um, situation. I mean, he didn't fully say Xavier Worthy will be a Texas Longhorn in 2023, but there has been some speculation unfounded on, on the internet that the transfer portal may be in Xavier's future. But, you know, Steve did, you know, kind of confirm that Xavier has been frustrated um, this season with um, his play, his role, his role in this, this offense. His numbers are down significantly from last year, which is still – kind of amazing because he leads the big 12 in touchdown catches and has uh, had 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 a couple highlight plays but as anyone who's watched a Texas game knows I mean there's been a lot of deep shots that just haven't hit in that there's been a you know a misconnection between him and Quinn throughout the season and you know there's been some games where Xavier just hasn't been a factor um, and he's supposed to be the X factor uh, quite quite literally and so um, Steve did address um, Xavier's frustration he did seem in some of his answers to um, indicate that Xavier's future is at Texas, but you never know, um, especially in the transfer portal era. I think Xavier is probably the only person that really knows, and we don't talk to him. He doesn't do much um, much media. I think he's talked to us maybe twice, two or three times uh, this season. So um, that, that'll be something to keep an eye on over the next uh, next couple of weeks. I know um, Texas and the fans and the coaches and the players are all interested in that because he is a – exceptional talent but obviously this season just did not live up to his expectations that he set the bar he set very high um mm. with his freshman year so it was i guess good to see steve kind of honest about um those frustrations instead of just kind of brushing aside those uh that internet speculation and acting like everything was great and a-okay so i mean no, I, I agree that was, that was good to see that honesty from, from and steve. you know and, you know, Danny, next year's his so-called contract year, you know, his last year in college probably. So you got to make, hey, you got to make the most of it. And, you know, said and I were talking about that. I mean, you know, to me, I mean, 
couldn't this guy be a first round draft pick? I mean, he's he's kind of a difference maker. He's not a physical receiver, and he doesn't fight for balls as much as he should. And I'm not sure how he had great his route running. So, you know, this is a business, guys, and these are business decisions. So if he went, if he, you know, California kid, if you want to go to USC where play with Caleb Williams for a year. You could see stuff like that. You know, personally, I think the three of us hope he stays. He's fun to watch. Texas definitely needs him. So, you know, I think – I don't know. I think too many fans get mad at these players when when they're making, you know, business decisions. So, I don't know. Would you two blame him if he left? Mm. I hope he does whatever is best for him. He's he's, exactly. he's a grown grown man, and his decisions do not impact me in the least. So, whatever he wants Let to him. Do. Let him take care of his own happiness, mm-hmm. his own family. If if leaving is what he wants to do, then he can leave. There'll be another guy that wants to come to Texas. Me personally would love to see him and Isaiah Nayor get busy next year with some improved quarterbacking. Uh, we saw a couple of clips of Isaiah in the spring, and he looked like a like a a game breaker, deep that deep threat. Of course. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> Was he catching Easy. any deep balls this year? Uh, Easy. Doubtful. doubtful. <laughs> he would have been open. He would have been year. open. So, <laughs> so yeah, uh, people are people are were coming after me for saying Bichon's gone. They, I mean, they're, I don't want to. He, he can make more money. He's a radio, TV, film major. He can make more money doing that if he gets his degree. I'm like, stop it. Just no way. No stop way. It with that. Miss me with that BS. He's going pro. He's going to be drafted in the first round, and in five years he'll be in the Pro Bowl. That's that's where we are with Bijan Robinson. That's where we are. The sooner you the sooner you make peace with that, the better off you're going to be. Jonathan Brooks, Jadon Blue, um, Cedric Baxter coming in from Florida, Keelan Robinson may be coming back. Those are the guys that you need to get used to because those are the guys that's going to be running the football next year. If uh, Bijan comes back, Steve needs to let whoever cut that check um, call the first play of the season because uh, that would be that if, if if Bijan comes back, Daniel, money will be everything we're, because uh, we're, that's going to be a big check. Well, uh, we'll drop if Bijan comes back, we're taking him straight to back to the airport. That you know he needs to go go pro and uh, move on, um, move on with everything. We've loved covering him, but it, it is time. He is. He's ready for the next the next step. Um, real quick, Texas isn't participating, but the Big Twelve Championship game is in, is in Arlington this weekend. TCU twelve and zero, nine and zero in Big Twelve play. Obviously, if they win, they are pretty much guaranteed a spot in the college football playoff unless something crazy happens. Kansas State nine and three, seven and two. TCU beat Kansas State earlier this season in a really weird game where Kansas State at one point was playing its third string quarterback. What happens this uh, this week? I said last week that I think Kansas State wins, and I'm not bouncing off that prediction at all. I feel very confident in that, in that prediction, but said Kirk is TCU going to reach the playoff or is Kansas State going to spoil things? I like them both. Um, I'm going to go, I'm going to go with the froggies. Um, I know it's hard to beat a team twice. K-State was up 28, 10 at the Carter, but I'm, I'm going to go with the froggies. I think Max Duggan is playing better than he did in that game. I think he's the best leader in the conference this year besides Roshan Johnson. And I think and I think um they figure some things out on defense now. Deuce Vaughn's no joke. And um 
K-State's probably got a better all-around all attack offensively and defensively. Not a huge fan of the TCU defense, but I think the Frogs figure it out, and I think we're going to see a Big 12 team in the playoff. That TCU defense is pretty good here at DKR, wasn't it? Well, <laughs> you know, not so good against Baylor, which ran for 232 yards on him. So that hurt Bijan when he heard that stat. Oh, no. Deuce Vaughn may be licking his chops for another chance at, at those froggies. But one thing that impressed me was last week when TC, I was watching their, their game uh, with Iowa State, and it was like, I think it was. I think it was 24 to nothing in the first quarter. And I went going, wow, they made a statement. They're playing loose. They're playing confident. Uh, the magic continues. Yeah, they've lived life on the edge. Uh, I don't know. This is almost probably equivalent of a home game for TCU, just right down the street at Jerry World almost. So they should have a whole lot of fans there. And I just – I don't know. I, I, I and I think K State's defense can be pretty good too. But I don't know. I just think it's a magical journey for TCU. And personally, I kind of hope they keep it going. Just the Big Twelve can get somebody besides Oklahoma in the CFP. And uh, I don't know. I, I, you wonder if they would lose if they would still have any chance at getting. Don't even don't, stop. Stop it. Stop it. Well, they're talking about all these other USC's got a loss. It's USC, blue blood. Blue oh, blood. I know. I know. And that'd be a shame. Blood is blue. Yeah. yeah. But no, they lose, they're out. And it's that means blue. Kansas State would go to the Sugar Bowl. Mm. Sorry, Danny. And then T and then TCU would go where? TCU goes to Fiesta Bowl, maybe plays Michigan, maybe, as the you know, second and third place team. And USC number four versus Georgia. That would be entertaining. So I got TCU this weekend. They're not going to take a one loss TCU of any of the over a one loss blue blood or even a two loss blue blood. And the reason why they can't this year too is because TCU's non conference schedule was horrendous. When you play Colorado and Charlton State and SMU, even though the Mustangs are pretty good, it just doesn't impress anybody. Although Michigan didn't play anybody in non conference either, but when you beat your arch rival on the road and trounce them, that's gonna give some uh, some muscle memory to those selection committees. So, yeah, I think you're. I think TCU's got to win. USC also has to win in the in the Pac-12 championship game against our old friend Cam Rising in the in in Utah. But um, we mentioned out if TCU wins, be sure to check out their football team's Twitter account because they've been doing some insane celebratory videos that are something else they're they're fun so check check that out tcu wins i'm sure they will go all out on on social media but kirk you mentioned some bowl games texas isn't going to the sugar bowl <laughs> they may be going to the alamo bowl but you're our bowl guy you're you're tapped into all that stuff where where do you predict texas texas is going to san antonio are they going to orlando or are they going somewhere else I'm supposed to talk to one of the bowl execs this afternoon, but I don't know. I know you love San Antonio, and I know you've never been to the Alamo. So uh, I just feel like this got Alamo Bowl written all over it, even though it'd be three times in four years. So, um, and that's contingent on TCU winning because if TCU loses, they'll probably get screwed, and then you know they would be in, in the Sugar Bowl maybe or. Uh, I don't know. That'd be terrible, though, if TCU fell all the way to the Alamo Bowl after, you know, going 12-1. Uh, and one. So, That'd be um, terrible for me. 
Yeah, I know. I, I've got Texas playing probably Utah in the Alamo Bowl on December 28th. Oh, cheese it Bowl. Still a possibility. Uh, Kirk said, obviously, you guys have both covered a lot of um, bowl games of the year for my money because I've only been three places on, on this beat. Uh, the best the best bowl was obviously a Sugar Bowl being in New Orleans for a week. You know, spend New Year's Eve uh, in the Big Easy. That was a spectacular trip and a lot of fun. And hopefully I'll get to go back one day. But um, what is the best bowl game to, to cover? Um, what, what's your favorite bowl game to cover? And do not say Alamo. Said you can go first. <laughs> You took my thunder, Daniel. No, I wasn't. I wasn't gonna say Alamo. Um, it was it was the Fiesta Bowl before John Junker went to prison. Um, uh, they had open bar, poker room, all, all the food. They had we had people uh, shuttling us to restaurants. But for my money, the very best bowl game experience is the Cotton Bowl, bar none. They know what they're doing. They just know what they're doing. They take care of the media. The swag is always off the charts. They also have a great hospitality room, and family is allowed in the hospitality room. You can bring Chas and Chuck into the hospitality room. There's video games. There's there's candy. It is the most well-run, media-friendly bowl game on the planet. It's not even close, as it said. No. I mean, you said they catered to the media. They rolled out the red carpet and then some. I mean, they, they gave got... us Mavericks tickets when the American Airlines yeah. opened up, Danny. Yeah. We got Mavericks tickets, and they weren't cheap seats. They gave they had a meet they had a wing for the media in the new American Airlines Center, so we could watch the Mavericks. And it was they bring in they game. bring in comedians and have a New Year's Eve dance and oh yeah, they have the New Year's Eve ball. It's yeah. amazing what they it's not even close. But now if you could get the camel back in in Dallas ah, at the Cotton Bowl, then that's you Fiesta, Daniel. That's your Fiesta. perfect bowl. I remember the holiday bowl. We always had fun at the holiday bowl. Uh and the Sun Bowl. Sun Bowl was great at catering to the media too. They're right behind the cotton bowl. They love you. I remember the first time I went to uh the Alamo Bowl, maybe 79, maybe. And I uh, check into my Marriott hotel right by the airport and I'm putting my key in the room and about to go in. Still got my bags and everything. And I hear somebody behind me. Whoa, whoa, whoa. No, sir. And I look around. I go, what? He said, you get your ass in here first to the hospitality room. You got to have your first tequila shot. That's Welcome a sun bowl. You said, you said Alamo. This no, I'm sorry. A, I'm sorry. It's a sun bowl. Sun bowl. And they said, Welcome to El Paso. And every time I've been since, they roll out the red carpet. It's kind of a mini cotton ball in terms of uh, media hospitality. So, but they're all great, Danny. All of them. And yeah, one day, they're they not will. all. There's not. They're not all great. We're about to go to a JV bowl game in San Antonio in a couple of weeks. I'd like to hear you talk about how great that is. But you know, everyone at home saying, "Who cares? Who cares about the, what the media wants?" Y'all aren't excited about going to San Antonio either. So the only people excited about this bowl game are people who live in San Antonio who just don't want to use up mileage and don't want to burn gas going to watch this football <laughs> team. So I don't want to hear anyone say what's wrong with the Alamo Bowl. <laughs> San Antonio, it's a great city. I can go there today if I wanted to. I don't need to go there during bowl season to go to this, go to this box of a stadium where they might not even have rosters in the press box. 
and the media accommodations are garbage. The, the way they run their press conferences is not good. You know, you have press conferences where they're not even let, letting press ask questions as a couple years ago with the, uh, some teleconference nonsense. And our, our guy, Rick Cantu was there for a high school game the other weekend. And there was a gap between his game and the next game they had to cover and they kicked him out because UTSA was practicing and they didn't want to spy anyone spying on him. Apparently thought Rick Cantu was spying forever. UTSA is playing next. Whole that's a joke operation down there at the Alamo Dome. And I'm tired of that place. I'm tired of that stadium. I'm tired of that bowl game. And I guess I'll be there in a couple of weeks. But but it's a great place, press box to watch the game because you're so close. You know, it's a great, great viewing bowl game. Now, Texas Bowl, they don't do anything for the media either. And I don't even know if they even have a single press conference, but at least it's the great Holiday to watch bowl. from the press box at the, the Alamo. Holiday Bowl did did very little for the media. But it's in San Diego. Yeah, it is. So we weren't complaining. We were just Rose Bowl's fun. Rose Bowl's fun. Done about five of those. And mm-hmm. and they made us stay in the Beverly Hilton one year. So, you know, it's one year. It's a dirty job. Somebody's got to do it. Yeah. Moving on. Yes. San Antonio, love love your city. This isn't an, this isn't a rant <laughs> against your city, but that bowl game and that stadium. <laughs> Congratulations, Texas. You can go play in UTSA's home stadium. <laughs> Get excited. Um before we get out of here, uh, let's go over a couple of things that are going on in campus this week. Uh, the men's basketball team is playing Creighton on Thursday night at 6 p.m. Kirk, I believe you will be at that game. Uh, women's basketball team will be playing South Florida Friday at 6 o'clock. Originally it was at 7, but that's been moved up to 6. Uh, Southern is – I think Seth's going to that game. Southern, uh, Sunday at 2 p.m., um, and then volleyball. That's what's going to be the big show on campus this week, NCAA tournament is getting underway, as Texas always does. They'll be hosting. Um, Fairleigh Dickinson will be the first-round game Thursday at 8 p.m. Texas is going to win that game. So second-round game will be Friday at 8 p.m. against either Georgian or Georgia or Towson. Uh, Texas is the number one overall seed in the tournament. So before we get out of here, on second thought, uh, let's tease out a little bit what's going on this week. Do we have do we have a plan yet, or are we still figuring stuff out? We're, I tried to get Joel Klatt, and the uh, nicest guy in the business, he responded like two minutes, said, man, I love to, but I'm just slammed this week. So uh, we're still shaking the tree, see what falls out. If nothing else said, and I will wax poetically. There will be a podcast. There will be. A lot going on on campus. A lot going on. Yes, sir. And listen to that on Thursday as you head to the basketball game over at the Moody Center and then once you finish that and you're walking over to Gregory Gym for the volleyball match, you can listen to the rest of the podcast. But that will all happen on Thursday. But that's going to do it for us. Um, going forward, we're not really sure how often we're going to be doing these videos since the football season is over. But we'll be back from, from time to time to talk about this football team, talk about what's going on on campus. But we do appreciate you watching on YouTube, listening to wherever you get your podcast, checking us out on Facebook or Stason.com and uh, putting up with us throughout this entire season. But as always, uh, thanks for Hanging out with us, Danny, Kirk, Cedric. Uh, We'll see you all down the road. Remember the Alamo, Daniel. (laughs) Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.